the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. As we head into hour five, we are joined by George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group and president of Data Orbital, one of the best uh, political minds in the country. We're delighted he's right here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona with us. George, happy Wednesday and good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, Seth. Always good to be on. Uh, thank you. Uh, good to have you, especially... Um, Especially, I mean, when politics, I was going to say, you know, in a political year, um, usually being an odd year, political years are odds and even years now, it seems like, especially when the topic is uh, Donald Trump. The indictment, uh, the four-count indictment against him yesterday brings up so much speculation. Uh, Some of the stuff that's been batted around, George, I'll throw it out there and you just deal with it however you want, tie these bundles together. Uh, some of the speculation is these kinds of things amounting to what a lot of people think is bullying actually increase Donald Trump's strength and numbers. Some people say that's what the Democrats want to do because they think he's the easiest Republican to defeat in 2024. Some people aren't so sure about that. Some think he is being further tainted within the Republican Party by these numerous uh, indictments and charges such that it will actually, in fact, weaken him. How does it all play out in your mind, sir? I think in a normal scenario and in normal circumstances, of course, legal indictments have usually negative impacts on candidates and on political campaigns. Um, But I think because especially the nature of this indictment is regarding a topic that has been litigated, uh, quote-unquote, in the court of public opinion for the better part of the last two years. I don't know that it'll have much of an effect because I'm not sure that it is um, going to have a bearing on enough voters to really change uh, opinions. And yeah, what, what you're saying and a lot of the commentary around it is very loaded. Is, is he the weakest or not weakest candidate? I mean, right now the polls kind of show everyone's in the margin of error. So right. how can we tell right. who is or isn't the weakest candidate? And he is dominating and continues to dominate, uh, you know, the Republican field. Um, but so far, and again, it, it just happened yesterday. We'll see polls over the coming uh, week or two or three. But with the first two indictments on different topics that came out, uh, it did it did not have downward pressure on his numbers, by the way, not just in the Republican primary, but even in the general election, because I would assume that the majority of the people in, in the country, I shouldn't say majority of people, north of 95% of people in this country uh, understand and have an opinion on uh, Donald Trump, yeah. regardless of them learning information. And that's the big thing that I think some people take for granted. There's really no unknowns here. And yeah. there's not a lot of people, if anyone, that is not have an opinion that's formulated about President Trump. And so um, then that causes things that typically would cause certain reactions. It has them kind of not having those, uh, you know, those same reactions, as you'd expect. Yeah, that's 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 a point, I think, worth exploring just a little bit more. Um, you have 
two very well-known figures running for president. It's not as if you have uh, like a Bill Clinton who's an unknown governor in 1992 or someone who – even Donald Trump in 2016 who people may not have been paying attention to politically. Uh, It's not as if you had Barack Obama who was running in 2008 who was kind of – who was a very much unknown. You have – you have people who are very well known about whom uh, many of their minds have been made up. So it raises that question of which what does 2024 look like or 2020, uh, 2020, uh, 2022, 2024 look like from the light of right now vis-a-vis what will change people's minds? And, and that's the thing. I, I don't – so I think we're talking about 5% or less of voters whose minds are going to even be changed. Yeah. I am just going to put that out there, and I think most people would probably agree with that assessment. Again, I'm not saying it's the same 5% of people, but I suppose you know people come in and out of that grouping, but I think it's around that uh, amount. I think it's going to be which individual – because I don't think these people are enamored by Biden, uh, and I don't think these individuals, obviously, they, they don't have, you know, super positive of either uh, person, right? Let's assume it's Trump and Biden who are the nominees. So it's going to be, okay, who do they find less, pal- uh, you know, palatable at that moment? So where's the country? Where's the economy? You know, what are the new things that are happening, the dynamics? And I think that's, I mean, one, that's very tough to predict because it's us predicting the future. And right, we know, sure. you know, the political prognosticators, including you and I, have tried yeah. to predict the future in the past now, right. um, sort of random it has uh, turned out i think it's going to be a last minute decision i just i i don't think anyone on either side can take for granted the fact that like oh there's indictments or oh the economy's good or bad i mean like look I mean, yeah the economy's getting better and they're trying to make biden biden you know economics a thing um, but there's still a lot of problems in this country and i and i feel like we, we almost are having a momentary you know positive that could just as easily come crashing down on the other side yeah. depending on what indicators you look at it's a long time between now and next november yeah. i mean you know, if you had asked someone a year and a half before the 2020 election, you know, COVID wasn't a thing. Donald Trump was going to, you know, was, was on his way to a yeah. second term yeah. because by all indicators, he was on his way to a second term and then COVID happened. Yeah. So um, there's and, a lot of things that continue to transpire here. And same with George H.W. Bush at the beginning of 1992, right? I mean, the guy was in the 90s or high 80s, as I seem to recall as well. Yeah. Is there any sense you can pick up on the hardened views within the Republican primary voters. If I'm watching online the fights and the intramurals between the DeSantis folks and the Trump folks, it's about as heated as I've ever seen. I don't know if you've been tracking some of that. Does that run through to the voters as well? Are there are there people in the Republican Party who are ardent DeSantis supporters or ardent Trump supporters who you think would not vote for the other guy in a general election? I would assume, and I think data shows us, that there are um, Trump voters that would otherwise not engage in a general election if he is not the person that is the nominee. I don't know if that could be the case. Again, it's tough to kind of predict that from a data perspective. We just know how historically Trump voters have performed. I don't believe that would be the case for DeSantis. I think also in general, uh, Seth, uh, and again, I you know this is a, a topic we we talk about often. We're in such a divided position in this country 
you kind of have to stick with the team, even if the nominee is not the person who you wanted. I'm not saying everyone's going to do that, but my hunch is that those individuals that already kind of left the party, those are part of the 10 or 15% of Republicans yeah. that weren't voting, even going back to maybe 2016. But there's other individuals that are, you know, picked up. So I think I would say probably much likelier if, that there are Trump voters that if he's not the nominee would not engage, kind of how we've seen certain drop-offs in the midterm elections versus DeSantis. Yeah. But there are lots of intense opinions in the primary, but that's also part of a primary. It's, yeah. it's natural. There's there's a lot of fighting, and you know primaries arguably get more heated and nastier than general elections do because you're with, you're fighting within yeah. your same yeah. you know team bloodlines. So yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's interesting as you're as as I'm going back to something you said with regard to the multiple charges against Donald Trump and the way people have made up their mind. And I think you started the sentence or started the interview by saying, in normal cases or in normal situations, <laughs> you know, an indictment <laughs> it hurts a candidate. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering about, since people have gotten uh, so much scar tissue, I guess that's the way to put it, over the charges against Donald Trump over the years as well, if an impeachment on Biden if an impeachment on Biden would take a bite out of his apple. I'm wondering, I mean, I don't think there's going to, I mean, there can't be any criminal charges filed against him while he's president, but I wonder if an impeachment inquiry or an impeachment against Joe Biden, even if it fails in the Senate, would uh, have, have a downward push on, on Joe Biden's re-election, uh, re, re, re-election chances, or whether it would even, and the something Republicans should worry about, be used as a as a as a launching pad for another candidate in the Democratic Party who's stronger, like a Gavin Newsom. Yeah, I I don't know if it would have down pressure for the same reasons that we just discussed regarding um, you know President Trump. But look, the other factor is these are all you know the, the reason why there would they're, they're, you know these indictments are things that um, President Trump is being accused of doing himself. Yeah. In the Biden scenario, it has a lot to do with Hunter and some of those dynamics that we're continuing to see play out. We know, and we talked about last week. Um, you know, what played out with the judge in terms of that plea deal. There's a lot more there to expose. Um, so I don't know. I mean, does that affect the 5% of voters potentially? But again, maybe it affects them today, tomorrow, but it's all about the timing. Yeah. So let's say, for example, the impeachment happens in March. Well, what, you know, what is that going to do in November? Yeah. I mean, again, voters, there's a lot of calamity uh, or a lot of positives that could happen um, in weeks, let alone in months, depending on the timing of all this. And does it even happen in the House? You know, you know, people are not as inclined to do politically, you know, in their words, quote, politically motivated no. impeachments, even no. though you know, I believe the yeah. left did the same thing. No. So, I mean, I don't know. But I mean, both sides were, were, you know, we're engaging in a lot of dynamics that, to go back to the word, um, that were not normal 10, 20 yeah. years ago, yeah. that now become normal and commonplace in yeah. today's America, yeah. today's political America. Yeah. And I don't know often if that's for the better, but um, it's definitely... It is definitely having implications on the political dynamic and scene. We're just not 100% certain at any given moment. What is it, upward pressure or downward pressure? Okay, let me, let me ask you a little bit about Hunter Biden and the American people when we come right back. George Kaloff is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital is our guest. George, as long as um, we're talking scandals for a few more minutes here, if you don't mind, the stories surrounding Hunter Biden, uh, particularly with Devin Archer testifying, a former business partner of his earlier this week, looks like that's 
as explosive as many of us thought that testimony was, the the media cartel just isn't letting that story have much of a light on, <laughs> see much light on light in, of day, and maybe it's not as explosive as we think with the American public. What is the sense of the scandals involving Hunter Biden as they relate to Joe Biden? Clearly, the memos at the media cartel and at the Democratic Party are that were beating up on a guy who had a lot of, you know, mental or psychological problems. And the story is really nothing more than a father who loves his son. Is that playing out with the American people or are they beginning to see that there's an odor there of corruption involving Joe Biden relationships that his son was the fulcrum or the connector to with regard to countries like China and Ukraine? Are are, are people picking up on that at all? And one more. Sorry to filibuster. This just the reason I'm asking this is it does seem the media has played such a powerful role on this that I took note. The Washington Post had zero stories on Devin Archer in the last two days. Zero. The day he testified, it wasn't online. The day after he testified, it wasn't in the newspaper. New York Times had zero stories online about Devin Archer. It's a weird thing to try and have a political conversation with people about this stuff. If they get their news from the Washington Post and New York Times, they don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, look, I mean, one, uh, I think a sort of marketing and, and public relations sort of theory and teaching tells us that when a side is this focused on not having the conversation, that usually is not a good sign, right, for, for that individual, right, yeah. the, the, you know, where there's, there's fire type thing. Um, the other aspect of this, though, is that the, the more complicated this story gets, yeah. the more complicated it's going to be to have people understand it. Yeah. If it's as simple as a son of a president used his influence with his father to get sweetheart deals and then gave those individuals access as a quid pro quo, that's a big deal that I think the American people will care about. But it has to be that simple. It has right? to, I mean, it be, has that to simple. be that simple. Yeah. Right. Forty five percent of voters are going to not think it's a big deal because they just that's it. They're Democrats. Yep. They're registered Democrats. That's what they believe in. And they're they're they don't matter or they just hate Donald Trump, as, uh, you know, enough. They happen to be sort of in that never Trump Republican camp. Forty five percent of voters. And again, I'm, you know, give or take. Forty five percent of voters absolutely think it's a big deal because Hunter's last name is Biden. And you can clearly you have been watching news media that is tracking this. And you can tell where there's smoke, there's fire, and you already kind of had a hunch that they were corrupt, and so that's the case. Now we're talking about, okay, what are the 10% of people in the middle or 5% of people in the middle, what did they think? What do they care about? Um, this, there seems to be problems. I mean, part of the analysis that the bit that I sort of – that had been covered that I saw was that uh, he testified that, yes, there were phone calls that would happen that, you know, President Biden would be on the phone, but it was not business-related and it was just saying hi. But the problem – you know, you and I know, Seth, I mean, like, <laughs> that's, that's a very – a very broad, um, very vanilla answer. You're mm-hmm. telling me business never came up once, no. but you had access to the president. Like I said, yeah, he is your father and you're his son, but there's a different spotlight, as we discussed last time. Ivanka and Jared and the Trump children didn't get a pass uh, or the fact that people were doing things at the Trump Hotel in D.C. They didn't get a pass because he was president, and so like, oh, well, it's just complicated. No, the media wanted to rip him apart. Mm-hmm. Why isn't the same thing happening now? Well, we know why, because it doesn't serve their best interest. Yeah. No. Uh, because it's attacking um, a figure that they want to support. But you can't just say, like, well, no, it's just the father and son engaging. I mean, no, there's, there's, there's clearly implications, but the more complicated it gets, the more difficult it's going to be to be able to convey it to the average voter and understand what it means. And the more that it drags on, it's the same things like we just talked about relative to the indictments. At some point, people just 
their eyes start to glaze over as serious as it actually is. Do they um, do you would you advise would you advise the Republicans to ease up on these investigations or would you advise them to keep the pressure on at this point? I don't know that I can advise to ease up because if there's if, if you know, look, there's a there's some legitimate things that have been brought to light. If this judge, you know, smelled nefariousness in the plea deal and, and amongst other things like you have to sign a see it to it then, yeah. uh, frankly, you know, we know the Democrats did that with things that absolutely did not end up panning out. They were, a, you know, they were, they were a hoax, a joke, whatever, whatever it is that you want to say. And they exclusively did it for political reasons. So I don't think we can just sort of leave it alone. But it's how we do it and in the way that we do it and the timing of it. We can't have it stretch on into perpetuity. And there has to be a very clear narrative. Hunter Biden engaged in X. And this is how it related to President Biden. And this is the, you know, this is the benefit that these foreign nations had, especially, by the way, I think the biggest thing that would, you know, I, I think be a concern to the American people is if our foreign adversaries, particularly people like China and the CCP, if they were able to somehow get some special treatment because of this business relationship, that would be, I think, a big deal to the American people. If there's truth to the notion that the Democrats see Trump as the weakest candidate and, you know, want want his numbers to go up or at least want him to be the nominee because they think he's the easiest to defeat. If that's true, and there's certainly some thinking that says it is, it's probably even more true that we think Joe Biden is the easiest to defeat. A, wonder if that's true to your to your mind and your numbers, and B, if it is true, um, would it be wise to keep pressing notions of impeachment that might have the effect of weakening him and, uh, as I was saying a little bit earlier, inspire someone like Gavin Newsom to make a serious run for it? I think it's a hard assessment to compare the, the, the analysis of the Republican primary to what's happening on the Democratic okay. side okay. Because, because of this reason. Yeah. I think that there is a, I mean, I, I, again, maybe I'm wrong. I think there's a, there's a, there's a close to zero, if not a zero percent chance that the machine on that side is going to allow someone like Gavin to, to do it because then if that happens, that's right. Like, what does that, what does that then uh, lead to? It leads to giving a major win to the Republicans and saying, no, what you were accusing them of was <laughs> true. Biden was corrupt or whatever. And they would have to admit that. And it's likely better to not admit that uh, if you're them in our political dynamic that we have today and go forward, even if there is a chance that there's a weakness there, then admit it and definitely show weakness and then go with another nominee. So it's kind of hard to compare because there's not really a legitimate sort of second option yeah. versus on the Republican side. No, it's an actual heated primary, yeah. um, not dealing with an incumbent president. Of course, a former president, uh, which you've had one or two times in our history before, right? Someone like, you know, they got to, but like, but not in the same dynamic as having an incumbent president who says, no, I'm going to lay down or I'm not going to run for reelection because my political opponents have made me weak enough to not be able to get there. That's an interesting equation. It's, it's, it almost to me would be the equation, though, of saying we'll take a small loss for a bigger win in the sense that it's just and maybe that's because I'm not a Democrat, but it seems to me so hard to believe that Joe Biden in the state he's in, irrespective of Hunter, if Hunter were never born, that the condition and state that Joe Biden is in is that people would want, even in the Democratic Party, him to be running in 2024. It's just hard for me to wrap my mind around that notion. I take your point. You don't want to make an admission to the other side that he can't do it or that he's not up to the job. 
But it's boy, it just it just seems to me there's never been weaker tea at the head of a ticket than Joe Biden. Let me take a quick break and talk to you about some some of the DeSantis concerns that people are raising as well, if you don't mind. George Kaloff is our guest. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group. He's the president of Data Orbital, and he and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. George Kaloff is our guest, managing partner at uh, the Resolute Group and president of Data Orbital Consulting. George, I haven't uh, asked you enough about Ron DeSantis uh, in this interview, and maybe that's actually an interesting observation about myself in these kinds of conversations. I, I'd bet in a lot of similar interviews around the country, Ron DeSantis isn't asked about as much as he used to be. I mean, he's clearly... Uh, the top tier challenger for the Republican nomination, and there's no question about that. But his numbers just aren't moving, it seems to me. You tell me if that's otherwise. And how serious, how choppy are the waters is he in right now, given that it seems like there's just this growing odor about that campaign that just kind of looks like it can't do it. The reset, is, which should have been the campaign reset, which should have been a one-day story, has been about a week and a 10-day story. Uh, the staff layoffs, which should have been a one-day story, turned out to be two different rounds of staff layoffs. Uh, some of the not super prominent but somewhat well-known advisors in his campaign had to leave uh, because they were asked to leave because of affiliations and misjudgments. Is it is it a campaign that's just star-crossed with the Republican nomination at this point, or do you think there's a lot of life in this uh, in this uh, in this in the in the DeSantis candidacy still? I definitely think the waters are choppy. I still contend. I mean, one, there's no movement in the numbers. Yeah. I still contend it's early. Uh, I think there's a lot of still dynamics at play. It's not getting better, though. I mean, that's the thing. Every with every passing day, hour, minute, week, month, you name it. It gets more and more precarious. The window of opportunity closes right, right for him, right. even though it's closing. As, as you know, let's say it's closing slow, slowly because of the timing that we're in still in the off year. But it's closing. We're coming up on the debate uh, this month. That's going to be a big deal. You know, you and I have talked about that. Yeah. There's, there's another, and again, I know you're asking about DeSantis, but there's another interesting thing that just came out. Yeah. Because of the the federal campaign finance report, uh-huh. um, you know, it was widely reported about the burn rate. Uh, the rate in which yeah. the DeSantis campaign was spending the money that he raised. Yeah. Um, but there was no discussions about the Trump yeah. and the Trump PAC yeah. rates. Well, it comes out, and I'm sure you saw the story, yeah. Yeah. that um, the financial position in, in, in the Trump campaign and in the Trump PACs is also uh, very precarious. And I shouldn't even say also, it's almost even more precarious yeah. than in the DeSantis world because the burn rates for the outside groups is the same as the campaign, and they're spending it on legal and transfers in between the groups. And again, there's a lot of groups there that, that aren't, it's not as uh, straightforward yeah. as in the DeSantis world, yeah. but there seems to be a lot of legal spending, as you can imagine, yeah. right? We've been talking about indictments and whatnot. Uh, and so that's another, you know, that's part of the reason why I keep saying that it still is very early, even if the DeSantis campaign is in choppy waters, even if things are not getting better, even if one day stories have turned into two week stories. And a lot of them are frankly unforced errors, by the way, this isn't like a, it's just happening to him. These are unforced errors in part by, the, the candidate and the team. But on the other hand, money is a big deal in presidential campaigns. And for the DeSantis never down pack, never back down pack to have a hundred million plus left. But some of these other Trump entities are having to 
retransfer money that they'd otherwise transfer to foot bills. That's yeah. a that's a big problem. Right? It's a big costs. problem for people who haven't made up their mind about Trump yet, I think. My guess yep. is if you're a Trump supporter or a donor to those things, you just assume that the money was going to go to legal defense and things like that and probably don't care anyway. Probably. And that would be my general assessment, I think. Yes, yes. And it's less about the fact of what the money, I should clarify, what the money is being spent on, just the fact that there's less money there. Yeah, okay. Right? Because you've got to build up your yeah. team and staff and apparatus. And But you're right. I mean, that, that doesn't, that doesn't um, kind of um, – uh, it's not so much about like it's going to legal bills. Now, right. on the other hand, though, that's a commentary on potentially electability yeah. in the general election, yeah. which we know on our side, yeah. on the Republican side, is not the highest mark. Right. In the sense of, unlike with Democrats, where some ultra progressives was willing, to, you know, they're willing yeah. to vote for Joe Biden because he was the more electable person. Our voters don't behave in the same way. They want values alignment and a different priority than they want electability. And so maybe they say, no, I don't care if one person has more funding than the other person and can fight against the Democrats or you name it. Because that's not how we know, think these days. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. person aligns more with my values than you know, than, than Ron DeSantis does as an example. But um, you know, but again, I mean, that's why I continue to say you know it, it is a bit early. But I, I I can't underscore enough. Every day that passes in uh, in, in August as well. Yeah. In lead up to the debate, if things don't go better, if he does not have an A plus plus performance yep. at the debate, that will start to change narratives and narratives at the presidential level. Are, are almost more important than reality. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're right, and I think you know. I think you're right, and I think there's a problem form with the debates. Let me take a quick break and come back to you on that uh, on that issue, George. And uh, one other question about the Democratic Party as well. George Kaloff is our guest, managing partner, Resolute Group, president of Data Orbital. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. George Kaleff has been our guest this hour. He of the Resolute Group and Data Orbital Consulting. George, thanks for your time with us this afternoon. One more, uh, two more observations about DeSantis, uh, and then I want to ask you another question about the Democrats. Um, The debate, yeah, later this month, kind of interesting to me that, yes, I think that it has left uh, a lot of weight. It has put the campaign of Ron DeSantis has put a lot of weight for his on his shoulders for a stellar performance. And I think I think it's it's going to be a lot heavier, if you'll pardon the pun, by dint of the fact that he may not be the best debater up there. It might be Chris Christie. I mean, I think it is. And if they're looking, who knows what Trump's going to do, if he's going to appear or not, if Trump's there, I think Chris Christie's going to be the stronger attacker uh, of Donald Trump than Ron DeSantis will be, I think, and if Donald Trump isn't on the debate stage, then I think all arrows are at DeSantis, which makes I, – I think he's, again, in other words, I just think he's – whether it's it was strategic or just the way the, the, way the cookie crumbles, I, I, it, it, it's not an easy path. You're right. You're right. There is a lot riding on this debate. Um, debates are complicated. Chris Christie is a really good debater. I think others on the stage are going to be good. I mean, someone like Tim Scott, I think, is going to be, I think he's going to show very well. Uh, I think Vivek Ramaswamy is yeah. going to likely show pretty yeah. well. I mean, I think there's in their own ways they're, they're going to have their own light. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 100%. Again, your assessment's true. If Trump's there, then arguably there's better people to go after him. And then at that point, DeSantis wants other people. Governor <laughs> DeSantis wants other people to go after him. On the other hand, if he's not there, he's 100% the person he's standing the target. in the way of yeah. everyone else on that stage. He's the next so, biggest I mean, whale. either way, he's going to have to he's going to have to 
punch even above his, his weight class, to use that metaphor. Yeah. And again, he's, yeah. I, I think he's going to perform well. But the problem is, it's kind of like a company. It's like, not only do you need to make money, yeah. you know, for, for, for your stock to go up, you're going to need to make more than what you'd yeah. anticipated to have yeah. made, which that's is a, a good very point. difficult thing. That's a really <laughs> good way to put it. Yeah, no, that's a really good way to put it. It's a really good way to put it. And I suppose, too, to put a, just to put a, a bookend to the whole analysis of, of what we were doing in the first two segments of this interview, I suppose, too, DeSantis's chances, again, are a fate not under his control in some respects, has to do with how Trump fares with all this legal stuff, right? And all these other uh, charges again, and all these other uh, issues that are facing him. In other words, DeSantis' sainthood, so to speak, is going to rely a lot on Donald Trump's sinning or the perception of his sinning. Not where you want to be, but it is a truism. It is there. That is, I'm sure, some of the thinking in the DeSantis campaign. Yes, there's a lot out of the control of any one of these candidates. Yeah. There's a lot of external factors that are either not in the control of anyone um, or in the control of groupings of people, yeah. um, which makes it a lot more precarious because yeah. your fate is not in your yeah. own hands. Yeah, yeah. Okay, one other question, George, if I can, on the Democrats. In our interview earlier when we did talk about them, and when most people talk about whether Joe Biden runs or doesn't run, um, it's funny. There's obviously the vice president who's sitting right there, Kamala Harris, and there's obviously a very famous Democrat who's already running in the, in the guise of Robert Kennedy. People are talking about this other guy who isn't running, <laughs> Gavin Newsom. And that's kind of an interesting dynamic, too. I think the Democrats have a big problem if Joe Biden doesn't run and not running Kamala Harris. I think everyone thinks that. But I think they also know they can't run her. But it's not Robert Kennedy, is it? It's Gavin Newsom. No, yeah, it won't be. It won't be Robert Kennedy in, in a scenario where. Uh, Biden is not the nominee right. or somehow isn't, isn't even in sort of the race anymore, which, again, we know it's, it's tough, but let's assume that. Um, it will be someone like Gavin, someone like Kamala. The problem is I think it's going to end up being a free-for-all, but they don't really have the time, assuming the timing of it isn't like, you know, tomorrow or the day after or sometime no. that was like like preceding the nomination schedule and the primaries by a while. And so they have a problem on their hands. Now, I'm getting all kinds. I mean, there's definitely an activity. He's fundraising nationally. I mean, I see his ads all the time. And he's, 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 there's lots of activity there. But again, he also has a, you know, a likability problem. Like, look, winning in California now is, is not like some difficult feat for Democrats. I mean, it's California. So this is not like he's some sort of star-studded Democrat who's vision casting for the future. And he's like rising up like how the Democrats set up Barack Obama. He's not. Know, yeah, he in and California so, is not like Ron in Florida. Ron DeSantis. No, it's not. No, no. Yeah, and, right, and that's right. even, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's even yeah. a better comparison. Yeah. He's not even like, you know, DeSantis is and was uh, on our side. Right. On the other hand, right. yeah, there, there is a vice president who is, whose numbers are, or, you know, her numbers are worse than Joe Biden's yeah. numbers, candidly. And she's definitely not liked. But we know how her presidential campaign went. So, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. they, they don't have good solutions. And, you know, even if we get past 2024, even going into 2028, I think their, I mean, I think their bench is going to be, you know, once again, they're going to have a 20 plus person crazy primary. They, they always, you know, they're, they're going to have to because there's no heir apparent, yeah. um, you know, like there was with uh, with Joe Biden uh, as VP coming off of the uh, Obama presidency. Right, right, right. People have fun speculating 
oh, well, you know, maybe it'll be Michelle Obama or, you know, Hillary Clinton. I'm almost certain it's none of that. I mean, my sense is, I mean, it's a fun thing to play around with, but my sense is Michelle Obama doesn't like the heat of the kitchen and I, you know, I don't think I don't think Hillary would do this again. I just I don't think there's any flavor. No, I mean, and what would be the difference? Let, I mean, let's ask ourselves yeah, that. Yeah. What would make it better for her today than in 2016 when she was arguably more popular? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's just the, the and that I guess is what Newsom does have, which is a likability to him. Um, he's not um, he's not a successful governor in the sense that he's made his state better the way Ron DeSantis was a successful governor of Florida. But, you know, there's just this weird thing going on in this country, George, where I just don't know if people care anymore. You know, it's all about the imagery, it seems to me, the imagery and the rhetoric. It just seems to me, maybe I'm too cynical these days, but it just seems to me. No, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah, you're not cynical because 45 percent of people are going to love what comes out of his mouth. Yeah. 45, again, keep saying this, 45 percent of people are going to hate what comes out of Newsom's mouth. And so we're really, really talking to five or 10 percent of the people because we're that divided on every issue, not one or two on every issue you can contemplate, good, bad, controversial, or simple. Well, you're so good at this stuff, George. You know who those 5% are. Go find them and go tell them to listen to this show for the next year. Okay. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> Thank you, George Kaloff of the Resolute Group. The Resolute.group is his website. He's also the president at Data Orbital. George, thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. You think about the economy, folks, you think about bank failures, you think about the stock market's volatility, there is still talk of recession possibilities, and of course, inflation. Where do you go to invest? Why Refi has an answer, because they have a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to any of that, not the stock market, not the Federal Reserve. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, with no loss of principal if you do need your money back at any time. It's a lot of freedom. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they're headquartered here. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there, and uh, you won't get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign a thing. They just like talking about what they do and leave the sales pitch up to me. Um, But when you do meet with them, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can as well. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and they offer a 10.25% up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. The Newsom phenomenon, um, I'm going to continue to stay on for a while because I think I have uh, a, a little bit of a read on it that whenever I float it, people talk about the numbers of California, the exoduses from California, the economy of California, the crime of Cal- in California, the uh, all, all the negative indicators, the chronic homelessness in California. It's not a state that can be looked at as a success. I think is an unfortunate sign of the times, if I'm right, that people don't care. Twice voters have had the option of getting rid of Newsom in California, and they have to live with that devastation. They have to live with those negative indicators, and they've given the job back to him or allowed him to stay in office in a recall. 
because there is something going on in this country about the image being more important than the facts. And it's something a little bit worse than apathy. It's apathy's cousin. It's a Greek word, acedia. Did they teach you that one, David? Acedia, which is a, it's a, it's not just sloth. It's really, it's an apathy of selfishness. It's an apathy of selfishness of just total numbness to the surroundings and your fel- and the condition of your fellow man, which can translate into the condition of your country. It's not a good thing to have. It's really one of the capital sins. But unfortunately, as they say in A Man for All Seasons, I show you the times. Folks, thanks for being with us today. David, thank you for all your work today as well. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Leapson. God bless you all, and class is dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.